just generally or from the specific scripture that we talk about? What's that? What's happening back there in the background there? My bad. I thought I was on mute. I'm opening a pack of Starbursts. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go on mute now and eat these Starbursts. Okay, but you're, remember, you're first. You're oh, the first never mind. Point, so chew quickly. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'm just going to say that last part again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussion throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the Youth Minister at St. Paul's Episcopal Cathedral, also in San Diego, California. And I am Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are down here in the southwestmost corner of the country, uh, saying hello to all of you listening wherever you are in the country or the world. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, uh, the week of September 29th, which is proper 21 in year C. Still Luke's year, and Luke's got uh, two months left, so about eight more weeks left of Luke uh, until we get back. Back to the beginning of the alphabet, year A, starting in uh, Advent of 2019. So uh, we have uh, an exciting gospel to talk about today, uh, but before we get that to that, we need to talk about the challenging gospel we had last week because we had an Instagram poll, a poll that we put up every Monday uh, for you to take a look at is always based on the gospel for that uh, week, and we always have a question that we want you to answer or a poll we want you to take based on the gospel. So this week was very simple because it was basically the the crux of the interpretation conversation that we were having last week, which was about this parable of the uh, dishonest manager, the shrewd uh, household manager person that Jesus tells. And the question was very simple. Uh, Is Jesus using the story of the dishonest manager to show us what we should do or shouldn't do? And so you could either vote what to do or what not to do. And uh, 63% of people voted what to do to 37% what not to do, which was ultimately pretty close. It was only a few votes difference in the end. Uh, and that was essentially kind of the, we, I think we each had a different position last week. So we weren't all in agreement uh, on this podcast. So, right. I was not, (laughs) (laughs) um, that sounded so contentious. I'm sorry. Like I was (laughs) presenting everything like God, (laughs) Uh, but that just goes to show, I mean, even this, even the vote was, was relative, was pretty close, you know, um, and, and I think it just goes to show that these, none of the, oh, there's so many stories and, and parts of the Bible that are, you know, like the same, like people that generally agree on a lot of things or, or even about generally agree on most interpretations of the Bible and things like that can come across stories that just go different ways for people. And this is a this is a really this is a hard one because it is so 
uh, unclear exactly what Jesus is asking us to take from it, I think. So, well, and I think that also, in, in sometimes when we get a reading like this one, that we may interpret it differently depending on when we read it. Yeah, um, that's right. Because we definitely bring our own stuff to mm-hmm. each reading, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I, that's to me why we call the Bible the living word of God, because it continues to change. As we grow and change, our interpretation changes, and thus it continues to change as well. So if, if, it's, if there's only one way of interpreting it, then to me that's not living. That is Correct. no longer the living right. word, you know? So we're part of the word. We are, we are an important, our experience in our life uh, is, an experience, is an important part of our interpretation and, and an important part of scripture. So I think that's a good thing to remember. So thanks everybody for uh, who that voted in the poll for taking part in the poll. Make sure to go check us out on Instagram. Follow us at faith to go We post uh, things throughout the week and always that poll on Monday morning in our story. Um, also, we would love to hear from you. Any uh, questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion, you can uh, direct message us through Instagram. You can message us through our website, www.myfaith2go.org, which is also where you can find all of those faith to go resources for your week of reflection. Or you can email us, faith to go at stpaulcathedral.org. So make sure to send us any of your questions. Uh, questions or comments or stories we'd love to share them and answer those questions on the podcast uh next week and those can be about just general thoughts or questions you have about anything or uh, i mean at least specific to scripture or christianity or something about god would be helpful uh, just as a focus but you can also it doesn't just have to be about the gospel that we talked about in the previous podcast so send us your questions uh and any of those thoughts and reflections you've got we'd love to hear from you Um, So, we are going to get to our gospel for this week, which again is Proper 21 in year C from Luke's gospel. Uh, Charlotte is going to read it, and it is uh, Luke 16, 19 to 31. And once she's read it, we will each take some time uh, to highlight a point we hope you take into your week of reflection or discussion. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed. So that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, 
They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. All right, so uh, as you know, uh, the last few weeks have been specifically about this kind of thing. Uh, and so Jesus is, is really kind of hammering home all this teaching about money and doing it with this, this is kind of his last hammer blow on the nail here with this uh, story of the rich man and Lazarus. So there's a couple of interesting things uh, to note here. This Lazarus is not the same Lazarus from John's gospel that was that Jesus raised from the dead, though he is talking about a person coming back from the dead, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, so it's interesting that the rich man has no name and Lazarus gets a name, so that's kind of cool. Uh, and just generally, the in terms of the narrative structure of this parable, I think just pointing out the fact that Jesus is really like hammering home the like societal divide between these two people. He's he's trying to show how rich the rich man is and how poor Lazarus is uh, in all of these ways. Uh, and so, and that's that plays an important part in the way that the story unfolds, and in in the in the point that Jesus is trying to make. So those those are just the kind of general things to keep in mind uh, as we move forward. So Maya has the first point for today's podcast. Yes, I would like to talk about um, how while the rich man was alive, he didn't acknowledge Lazarus's suffering. Uh, is profound suffering, really, and how our society kind of, I mean, then and now, we're kind of taught to insulate ourselves from suffering, something because it's not comfortable to go and, and directly confront the suffering of others. And that we do this in many ways, right? When someone is on the street, maybe begging, we don't make, I mean, most, I, you know, don't make eye contact. It's like, oh, now I suddenly have this text message I have to reply to, or now I'm going to look at my watch when I'm walking past. And I realized that I was spending way more effort in doing that than just looking someone in the eyes and smiling, you know? And how, yeah, we, we just tend to do that. And how that can just, he's so lonely, you know? But it's comfortable, but it's lonely. Uh, was, what is that that movie network where the guys like you stay at home and sit in your living rooms and you have your well back then it was steel belted radios and, and you're comfortable you don't want anyone to 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 it's hard to be confronted with the suffering of the world because uh-huh. then we're kind of charged to do something or not you know but what would it mean to kind of open your eyes and look at the suffering of others and just acknowledge it you know uh because we don't see any of, like, interaction. You know, Lazarus is, I mean, the rich man isn't telling Lazarus, hey, like, don't do that. Go get a job or whatever. There's no interaction whatsoever. Um, yeah, so how how are ways that we do that? How do we put up all these distractions? And when we do understand or try to access or understand the suffering of the world, how is how is that even detached 
you know, looking at the news on our phone and saying, well, that's too bad. And then just going about our daily lives. Right. Um, so I think that, that, that leads uh, into the point that I want to make and, and the, the theme from the story that I want to highlight. And it's all of this uh, really vivid uh, language and description of what happens after these two people die. Um, and again, this is Jesus telling a story, a parable, and these are uh, symbolic and so their truth is in is in the symbolism of of what is happening, uh, and and so Jesus, I think, is using this to me. So the way I interpret this is not so much Jesus saying, uh, "Well, if you are," I, I don't think he's he's making a statement about where people are going, what's going to happen to people when they die. I think that he's trying to bring it back to the present moment because there is because it ends with. Um, pe- how are people going to respond now? Because this guy in the end is concerned about his brothers and sending Lazarus to go t- tell his brothers. Um, so there is something about the, the consequences for the present moment that Jesus is concerned with, I think. And so all of what Maya said uh, would be, it, like, leads really well into what I want to highlight of what Jesus is saying, and that is that all of these things that Lazarus does, or, or the rich man does or doesn't do um, in regards to Lazarus, creates this, what Abraham, in the, after they die, calls this chasm that has been fixed between them, so that no one can pass from there to here or here to there. And that, and that in the place where the rich man finds himself as this place of deep torment. And it's not, <clears throat> doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, I mean, there it's, it's clearly like a, a very uncomfortable location that he finds himself in, but it's also a place of deep emotional and spiritual anguish and torment. And, and what I think the illustration is, is that this, whatever the way Jesus is presenting this, this kind of setting that is taking place after they've died is really to bring it back to this present moment, like the underlying spiritual and emotional reality that underlies the physical reality of what's been going on. So that as much as, so in this physical reality, the rich man is, is very comfortable and rich and Lazarus is very uncomfortable and poor. And mm-hmm. that they are ultimately very close together because Lazarus is just laying outside of this rich man's gate so that they, you know, we can assume that they are near each other every single day, every single day. But that the ultimate underlying reality of their emotional and spiritual wellness is the exact reverse of those two things. So that this rich man's inaction in the face of suffering and the rich man's uh, indifference to, to the suffering that is around him is he may be physically very comfortable and okay, but Jesus is pointing to this underlying emotional and spiritual torment that is going on uh, when we are, and the, and, the, and the legitimate like huge spiritual and emotional chasm, this relational barrier that is set up 
when we have that kind of indifference to other people's suffering. And that while it may seem like we're okay on its, on the, in our deepest spiritual selves, we are in deep torment when other people are suffering. So that maybe we aren't physically suffering, but whenever someone is suffering, we are suffering. And that Jesus, I think, is saying, Jesus, I think the call here is to recognize our suffering that is happening when we separate ourselves from the suffering of the world and to try as much as we can to re-engage with the suffering of the world around us, as uncomfortable as it may make us, it's nothing close to the torment of being separated from one another. Right. So, well, I think that that kind of logically then transitions into my point, point three, which also it is lovely that we all are in agreement this week. Um, But my point three takes this conversation of chasm and then talks about the opportunity for connection. Because the image of a chasm in my head, it's like the Grand Canyon. It's this giant, vast, empty opening that's too wide to cross. And in fact, it says it right there in the reading. Between you and us is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. So if you cannot cross in either direction, then this chasm has got to be vast. And this chasm has become vast because of inaction, of the unwillingness to see and to care for the humanity that's all around you. So then the question becomes for me, well, then how do you cross that chasm? What What is the way forward? How do we change? And I think that that is through building connections and building bridges and providing that opportunity, not just to see, but to be seen. And I think that we all run across those every day in our lives. So maybe it is when you are out and about and you see homelessness and you see people who are suffering great, horrible trials in their lives. And that moment of, as Maya said, even just taking the moment to connect with your eyes and offer a smile or a kind word, if that is all that you have to give. But also maybe it's some people in our own lives that are hurting. And maybe it's people who their behavior indicates that they're hurting. I'm trying to come up with exactly how I want to say this. But sometimes the people that are suffering from the greatest pain act in a way that pushes people away. Mm. And so instead of saying, I'm suffering and I need help, instead they are angry or they say hurtful things or they distance themselves from the people that they love. And when they act like that, it grows this chasm. And the chasm, I truly believe, can be built on both sides. I don't think that it's just in this story, maybe it was just the rich man, but I do think that a chasm can be dug on both sides in when you are in a relationship, both by the person who is hurting and and by the person who is overlooking the hurt. And it's harder to overlook the hurt when we see that pain and that suffering as pain and suffering. It is easier to overlook the hurt when what we are seeing is anger and being treated poorly and people distancing us because then we automatically attribute it to they don't want me in their life. They don't want my help. They don't want to be in relationship with me. 
And so then we have to really examine, well, what does reaching out to that person look like? What does building that bridge look like? Because, and I think that this goes right to what David was saying about the teachings that we already have, is that those teachings are intended to be building blocks. They're to help us build bridges between us and the world outside of us. And that by looking backwards, we constantly are able to access this knowledge and use it to inform our decisions as we move forward and how we move forward in relationship with the people that we care about, with the people who challenge us, and with the rest of the world. Yeah, and following from that, the, the teachings thing, I think also Jesus, it's, it's interesting that Jesus ends this story by saying, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Except that someone has risen from the dead, and it's him. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. like, what, yeah, totally. like, I think again, I think again, he's saying, and, the, and through him, the author of the gospel is saying, now this is also part of your tradition. This is also part of your teaching. This resurrection is part of your teaching, to recognize that that pain and suffering and death and resurrection are not the opposite of our comfort. They're not the opposite of joy and happiness. They are the pathway by which those things come to be in reality, spiritually and emotionally. And so as much as this person, this rich man, turned a blind eye to the teachings of his tradition about that same thing. Jesus is saying, now what are you going to do in the face of, of this teaching of death and resurrection? Are you going to live into that suffering, death and resurrection, and thus live into relationship with the suffering of the world? Or are you going to keep pretending like that's not the thing you need to do? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think every day we have the right. choice of living a resurrection story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so that is three points. Uh, number one point was Maya's, and it was about the importance of recognizing uh, the the recognizing the dignity of every human being, and especially recognizing the suffering that is in us, or in around us, and in the world. Uh, number two was mine, and it was about when we don't recognize that suffering, the the kind of emotional and spiritual torment that undergirds the kind of illusion of comfort that we have uh, in our physical reality. And then number three was Charlotte's and asking now that, you know, if this chasm comes about in relationship, how are we called to respond to it? And are we going to respond in the way that Jesus is, is asking us to? Uh, and how can we respond to different people in our lives who are suffering in different ways and our own suffering in different ways? So uh, having heard that uh, discussion, uh, Charlotte is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. 
The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. That's our episode for this week, proper 21 year C for the week of September 29th. Make sure to send us any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion. You can contact us through Instagram at faith to go through our website, www.myfaith2go.org, or email us, faith2go at stpaulcathedral.org. Make sure to check us out on Instagram throughout the week. Take part in those Monday morning or those Monday Instagram polls on our story, and check out all those faith2go resources that are on the website. Make sure to rate and review this podcast. And until next week, we say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye, everyone.